Back in the time uh, leading up to myself and Alison being married, uh, we did a marriage preparation course, as many people do. And uh, this one we went to, though, it was more like one of those day-long workshops, uh, the kind that you do in a group setting. And uh, it was interesting, to say the least, to meet some of the other couples who were there. And one of them still stands out in my mind. They were young, they were very Christian, and they were completely gung-ho about their wedding being a chance to share the gospel. They said that they were going to have not one, but two sermons at their wedding on their special day. Here's how they explained it. At the wedding, the speaker would preach on sin, judgment, and hell. He would paint the picture that we are in desperate need of forgiveness, and that would be his message in full. Then, if you were fortunate enough to come to the reception, you would hear the solution preached, that Jesus died for our sins and that salvation comes from him. So let me ask, do you think that you would enjoy those talks if you were there? To be honest, I'm not a fan of this sort of approach. Uh, Not only can it be insensitive to not preach a full message so that everyone has an opportunity, uh, but I'm not sure that this is the best way to communicate the gospel. Now, you might be wondering why I say this. I mean, after all, they said they're going to preach on sin and forgiveness and grace and the work of Jesus. I mean, that's all very, very biblical. See, it sounded to me like they were preaching more of a gospel outline instead of the gospel itself. You know, it's a view that we hear sometimes that if we, uh, we share these main points and we get them in this particular order, well, then we've told the gospel. That's all people need to know. Now, yes, there is a time and place for that sort of thing. But sometimes in an attempt to get the gospel right or to get the facts of the gospel right or to present it in a certain way, we actually can lose its depth. And then we wonder why it's hard for some of us to share the gospel with other people or why it can make little difference in the day to day. So understanding the gospel then is very important. Not only is it critical for salvation, but it's important in all of life. And so today, then, I want us to explore this gospel. And this is the start of our new series, Growing Followers of Jesus, The Journey. Over the next couple of months, we'll be looking at our ongoing walk with Christ and how we thrive and grow as people who live in him. We're going to come back to the core of what it means to be a Christian. And so this series, then, it's for everyone. If you're a new believer... If you've been a believer for decades, even if you are still investigating Jesus and the faith, these sermons are for you too, because they will help you understand what all this Christian stuff is about. The starting point for all of this is the gospel. So what is it then? What is it? Well, Ephesians chapter 2, the reading we had earlier, explains it very well. But I want us to not start at verse 1. I want us to start in the middle of our passage. And so if you have the Bible open still, please look along. I will have most of it on screen for us, though. But look with me, please, starting towards the end of verse 3. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Did you notice how I read that? 
Did you see where I put the emphasis? There's a very important word at the start of verse 4. But. The gospel says that we were one thing, but now we are something else. The but says that the gospel is all about a shift from one reality to another. That's the main thing I want us to notice today. The gospel is a shift from one reality to another. So we're going to explore this shift in a few different ways. Then we're going to just generally look at how that change begins to play out in all of life as we follow Jesus. So let's get into it a little more closely. The gospel says that there is a shift from death to life. A shift from death to life. So we'll jump back to the first verse. Let me read there. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is a picture of people before becoming a follower of Jesus. Dead in sins. Now to get our heads around this, we need to understand what sin is. So often we think that sin is just the bad things that we do. But the Bible says that it's much bigger than that. See, God first created the world as fundamentally good. There his people lived in a wonderful relationship with him. But then sin entered that picture when Adam and Eve were tempted to disobey God. That changed everything. Because see, sin is an attitude of the heart that says, I don't need God. I don't need his ways. I know better than him. Actually, I live for me. That's what sin is. And it leads us to do or say or think things that don't honor God. It pushes him aside. And the world and every single person since then has been broken in this way. So sin is more of a deep heart condition. The underlying problem is a broken relationship with God. And so then being cut off from the source of life means death. And ultimately, an eternal separation from him. So that's what we were, the Bible says. We were dead in sin. But God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. See, that's the shift. Being taken from a state of death and given life being brought back into a relationship with God, given a new heart, and having the ability to live for him. To be a follower of Jesus is to have life poured into us where once we were the walking dead. But there's another shift here as well. Another one we see is that there is a change of masters. A change of masters, a a change of who or what rules us. We were dead in sins, but then if we continue reading in verse 2, it says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. What this means is that the person who is dead in sin is actually enslaved. The sinful nature drives that person. It creates desires that must be fed. It leads to living like the rest of the world that's in rebellion against God. It means following the ways of Satan, described here as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, in the sense of him also having an influence. But see, the good news of the gospel is that this sinful control is broken. 
There's a shift to Jesus now being our master. We're not only made alive with Christ, but look at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Jesus now shapes us. And here it says that our connection to him is so strong and full that it's almost as if we are seated with him in glory already. Now, we're not physically there yet, but that's the essence of who we are. We're bound up with him in the most amazing way. We're part of his kingdom now. He is the ruler, not the kingdom of the air. No, no longer are we under the rule of the sinful nature. And that means then that the believer moves to a place of freedom where sin, though it's, it still exists and we battle it, and that's going to be the reality in a broken world until the last day, but though it exists, it loses its mastery over it, it loses its control, and it can be resisted. Because we're shaped and guided by someone else. New decisions and joys and desires take the place of the old. Verse 10 goes on to add that the believer has been created in Jesus to do good works. The different kind of works that God has set up. We're able to do what pleases him now. Able to do things that fit someone who has a new master. So the gospel is a shift from death to life. From slavery to an old controlling master to the joy and freedom of another. And finally... There is a shift from wrath to reward. From wrath to reward. Look with me, please, at the end of verse 3. Like the rest, we were, again looking at before Jesus, we were by nature objects of wrath. Left in that state of death and under the mastery of the sinful nature, the outcome is being condemned by God. See, God is perfectly holy. In him there is no darkness, no sin at all. And so the person whose very essence is still connected with the sinful nature is not on God's side. And to be in that old state, that is to be God's enemy. And the result is terrifying. But now look at verses 7 and 8. It says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. The shift is that instead of receiving wrath, the believer receives the rich gift of God's grace, salvation in Jesus. And a time will come when all believers will fully share in God's kingdom, showing that they have tasted his goodness and mercy. And so putting all of this together then, The gospel is far more than just a transaction or an outline of facts that we hand out. Let me explain by sharing a gospel outline I was once taught. It goes like this. God, man, God, what if you do, what if you don't? Okay, so God created all things perfectly good. God created me and you. Man rebelled against God when sin came into this world. This is not good, and it separates us from our creator. So God stepped in to fix things by sending Jesus, who died for sins and rose again. What if you accept this? Then you're saved. You have eternal life. What if you don't? You're stuck in your sins forever, and your destiny is hell. Now, as far as outlines go, this one is pretty good, actually. 
It's clear, it's simple, it's easy to remember. I think I first heard this one 13 years ago and it's still sharp in my mind. It can be very valuable to have this big picture and sometimes this is appropriate, especially like with the kids' talk earlier. So please don't think I'm saying the gospel outlines are bad. But what I want to say is that if our grasp of the gospel stops at just the level of these facts, as great as they are, we can miss so much. Because as we've said, the gospel is a shift from one reality to another. A new way of living, a new identity, a new life, a new kingdom, a new master, a new hope, a new future. Being fully recreated from the inside out so that we are not who we were. We are changed. And this is by the grace of God towards people who are so broken that they have zero ability to get themselves out of this mess. So yes, Jesus died and he rose and we we never want to lose that from the center. He dealt with the problem of sin for us. He paid the highest price uh, that can be paid so that we can be forgiven and come back to God and be in that ongoing relationship. But do you see though that if all we have is the outline, just just the facts and, and just stay there, it's possible to reduce the gospel to a story of a problem and a solution. And see, that was the issue with those sermons from the beginning that I shared about at that wedding. Or or it could mean that the cross and resurrection are just seen as a way into heaven. But the beauty and the riches of the gospel are that it's a complete shift from one reality to another. It means that all of our life is in Christ and for Christ. There is no part of us that is not connected with him, not affected by the gospel. And that's very personal and very hopeful. And so let's use the remaining time that we have then to think about this new life. What it means to have a gospel like this. What does it mean to be in Christ and to be growing as one of his followers? Well, one big impact is that all of life, in a sense, then is a journey. So the gospel is for everyone. Staff here at our church, we are reading a book called The Walk, Steps for New and Renewed Followers of Jesus. Uh, It's a book on discipleship. Uh, It's a book that we're reading alongside the series. And here's what the author says. I'll quote. If you have been around Christians and the church very much, you know that the word gospel is ordinarily used for the message that pagans or unbelievers need to hear. It is the good news that Jesus came to forgive our sins by dying on the cross. We can be forgiven by faith in Jesus. A person who believes this message is said to be saved. This is all very true, and it is wonderful good news. But is this all the gospel means? This is a key question. Because a common pattern among Christians is to believe the gospel in order to become a disciple but then to look to something else as the means to grow. I think that's said very well. See, the gospel, we, we never lose it. We don't move past it. The gospel is actually for all believers all of the time. It's not just the bit that we hold out to people to get them saved and that's where it stops. Okay? It's, it's not an entry ticket for those who aren't Christians yet. When we come to know Jesus, it's not as if he says, yeah, heaven's that way. One day you'll find yourself at the gate. Just tell the man at the door that you know me. He'll let you in. Until then, whatever goes. It doesn't work like that. 
We never move past the gospel. Instead, it's more like this. We jump in the van with Jesus and with his followers. We journey together until we reach the destination where he's bringing us. So are you on the journey? Are you on the journey? You need to ask yourself that question today. And if you are, the gospel gives us another truth. Our core identity is being a follower of Jesus. In all of life, all of the time, we are identified by the one we walk with. See, let's stand back from our passage here in Ephesians. Let's do that for a moment and look at the big picture. Given the way that the gospel is described here, is it even possible for a believer to be saved by Jesus and then be disconnected from him? Look at the language Paul uses. The new life we have is in Christ. Salvation happened because of God's great love for us. We have tasted grace and one day our being with God in glory will show the depth of that grace. We have received the precious gift. We've been raised up with Christ, seated with him in the heavenlies. We ourselves are works of God. And he has also prepared works for us to do. So friends, if you follow Jesus, you are entirely new. And you haven't just been given something, you have been made something. You are a new creation, loved by Jesus in a way that that I could never find words to fully describe it for you. He is at work in you right now. He will always be at work in you. So what do you think your identity is? A successful executive? A teacher? A mom? A mechanic? Retiree? Grandparent? A depressed person? A person struggling with frailty or illness? Or a person in the prime of their life with everything ahead. Each of those things may be a very big part of who you are. But deeper than any of these is the truth that the gospel means that in all of life you are a follower of Jesus. If you take anything away from this sermon today, let it be that. The gospel means that in all of life you are a follower of Jesus. So please, embrace who you are in him as a foundation for everything else. The one, who, the one who saved you and journeys with you and is going to take you home, he's there in everything. And so with him as our master and us being renewed in him, well, life can be different. We make choices. We can make choices that please him. We can enjoy him. Life has a different meaning and is moving somewhere. So I want to ask you to do something. Believers here, look back at the old you before coming to Christ. And what I mean is, get that image in your head. Think about, think about that. Picture it. Picture who you were. And then say, that's the old me. Because the gospel means I've been transformed into something completely different. My reality has been shifted from here to here. Now I live the new. And get into the habit of when you wake up in the morning to remind yourself that you are a new creation. And today, you walk with Jesus. Today, you walk with him. You are on a journey. You are a follower. You are a disciple. And so when things go well, thank him for his blessings in your life. Thank him uh, for what he is doing. And when things are hard, still remember that he's at work and trust in him. 
See, friends, the gospel is bigger than we sometimes think. It's more than just the facts of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the work of God changing us and always changing us. It's never Christianity on the side. It's never just church on Sunday. And that's a great thing. Because life as a follower has far more significance and hope and meaning than any other option possible. And over the next couple of months, we're going to be unpacking what this following means and this growing means in many different ways. So what we've been exploring today, then, is really the foundation for all of our sermons to come. Please be prayerful that over this time, God will grow us as followers of Jesus as we walk with him. We have jumped in the van. We have hit the road. Buckle your seatbelts because the journey has just begun. Pray with me, please. Father, we praise you for the gospel, and when we say that, we mean it in its fullest sense. Lord, we thank you that Jesus died and rose for us. We thank you for all the wonderful truths that we see in in any basic presentation of the gospel. But help us to see the big picture of what you're doing with it. That you move us from death to life. That you raise us up. That you defeat the control of a sinful nature and place us in a wonderful kingdom with the best master. That you take us from being objects of wrath and pour out the most gracious reward on us. Lord, grow us not only in our knowledge of this, we ask, but transform us by it. Give us a daily awareness that we are a follower of Jesus, that we are on a journey, that we are being shaped and changed by him. Father, help us to see that the gospel plays out in all of life, and we ask that by your grace, across this whole series, that we will be blessed and much fruit will come as we together grow in being followers of Christ and we commit ourselves into your hands in his great name. Amen.